Welcome to the Tell Me Something Good podcast, your weekly dose of something inspiring, something entertaining, and something good. We're your hosts, Brett Cortell and Paolo, and together, we want to help you take your life way beyond the ordinary. So lean in, listen up, and let us inspire you. All right, welcome to Tell Me Something Good with Brett. That's you and me, Paolo. And we have a special guest today, which we're very excited about. You want to spill the beans? I'm going to spill the beans. So excited. Um, We have had this in the works for quite a while, and it is finally happening. So we are here today with Tara Razzioli. Um, She is a former attorney turned health coach with both an holistic and evidence-based approach to health and wellness. Um, I've known Tara for many years. We'll talk about that a little bit. But I, I can say, you know, for a fact and based on firsthand experience, she is extremely passionate about what she does. Um, she creates individual and corporate nutrition and fitness programs to help busy professionals maintain their energy, lose weight, and live in balance. In balance. We love that word around here, right, Paolo? Absolutely. Uh, her mantra is nothing is off limits, which I really want to talk about a little bit more, right? Because what a concept when you're talking about wellness and being healthy and saying nothing is off limits. I love that. Um, and she's gained her popularity and recognition as a clean lifestyle expert. You can read Tara's articles on Mind Body Green. Um, she has written a book. She's the co-author of Clean Cocktails, Righteous Recipes for the Modern Mixologist, which we will also talk about because I feel like what a perfect book for right now. <laughs> Seeing a yeah, lot of quarantines. Yeah. That's right. Um, Tara also is the co-owner of the Align Wellness Studio in Melbourne, New Jersey, where she offers private and group Pilates instruction to everyone from seasoned athletes to individuals living with neurological disorders. So, you know, as you can hear from just the intro, Tara does a lot and it's all in the wellness space. Um, and we're just so excited to start hearing more. So, Tara, I kind of wanted to start off with um, one of the, when I was looking through, you know, some of the things you've done and, and everything that you're busy with, um, one of the commonalities I've seen throughout your career is that you have this ability to pivot, right? And I kind of want to start with the beginning. I want to start with you being a lawyer and what led you from that to um, the world of holistic health coaching and, and wellness. Okay. Well, first, I just want to thank both of you for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited that you guys have launched this. Um, I think right now in the time of quarantine, uh, we need something good <laughs> every day, every yes. day. And um, I love that you guys are doing this. So thank you for having me. Um, yeah. So I started as a lawyer back in the late 90s. And uh, it wasn't really something that my soul was ever passionate about. I came from a family of um, attorneys. My dad and and my two sisters were all lawyers. And it was just something that I I felt sort of guided to do. Like it was going to, it was going to be an education that would help me down the line. Now, ask me all this time later. I'm not sure that that's the case. However, um, I practiced for about five years and really wasn't very happy 
Um, the law itself was interesting, but the lifestyle of um, being a litigator was really exhausting um, emotionally as well as physically. And I just, I just wasn't, I had no joy in my life at that point. So um, I decided to transition into a legal recruiting role at a law firm. So it allowed me to um, use the education that I had, but it also gave me the opportunity to be a little bit more social and kind of draw upon some of my other skill sets. And so I was in the legal recruiting industry for about 10 years um, at a couple of New Jersey firms until I had my son in 2008. And that's when the big transition happened. Mm. Isn't that amazing how often, you know, I feel like for me, and I know you know this about me, but the birth of my first son, you know, somewhat of a similar trajectory, right? I was in corporate America as well, um, working my tush off and not very happy. And it really took the birth of my first son to kind of, for better or worse, give me the courage to really make that change. Yeah, um, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. That's right. Did you... And these kind of things, we talk about this a lot here because Paolo's also had his own kind of shifts in his career. Um, and we talk a lot about like, you know, what gives you the courage or, or, you know, what's that like when you step out of what maybe you thought would be one path into another? I mean, was that difficult when you made that change? Because that's quite a, quite a difference, right? It was, it was very difficult. Um, even just from transitioning from a practicing lawyer to a legal recruiter, uh, that was very traumatic. It was, it was difficult for my father to comprehend. And so there was that whole side of things. Um, and then I allowed, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I, at that point in time, I think my father just wanted to make sure that his daughters were able to support themselves financially. And he just felt that I would always have that law degree to, to fall back on. And the idea of me kind of, um, branching out away from that and doing something different was a alarming to him. And so I think I allowed that fear to affect me and to, um, I don't know, it just created a lot of anxiety. Am I doing the right thing? Am I leaving? Am, am I, am I, am I doing something smart to, to be moving on in, in this particular path? Mm -hmm. And then when I left law altogether, um, and started becoming a Pilates instructor, I was really, I was really afraid, but I also knew that I had um, just a little bit of backstory about the birth of my son. He was born 10 weeks early mm. and I just felt so blessed and fortunate that he was okay. Um, and I, I do think that the anxiety and the, the stress and the rigor of my uh, corporate lifestyle, I think it definitely impacted me um, and, you know, may have played some role in the fact that my, my son was born premature. Mm -hmm. So while I was really scared about making this drastic career change, I did also feel like I was given this tremendous blessing and I just, I just wanted to be with him and have some flexibility to be able to make sure that he was okay. I wasn't ready to pass him into the hands of someone else to care for while I went back to corporate America. Yeah. I love that. I mean, yeah. gosh, what better reason to, to follow your heart? Yeah. And how, why did you choose Pilates, Tara? Is that something that I you was just about to ask that same question. That's yeah. Well, the Pilates was actually something that I was practicing while I was an attorney. I, I had this, I found Pilates um, 
in Hoboken, New Jersey, where I was living when I first started practicing. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. It made me feel um, centered. It made me feel engaged. It made me feel really strong. And I just, it was my escape. Um, and when we got to the point where I was looking for, you know, what is this next move? Um, it was actually my husband who said, look, maybe right now, this is what you do. This is something that you've always enjoyed. Why don't you get your certification, maybe teach a little bit and just see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how everything started. And did you kind of do that before you, like you didn't, I'm guessing you didn't just say one day I quit and now I'm a Pilates instructor. Like, no, um, I would, I was on leave for several months. And then, um, just as I was about to go back to my, my law job, I just thought this is not, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I discussed it. And, um, that was maybe in April that I was supposed to go back to work. And by June, I was enrolled, um, in some programs in New York city to get my, um, certification in mat Pilates and reformer Pilates, Mm -hmm. just enough so that I could see, did I like it? And then get my, get my feet wet. So I spent two months straight going in and out of the city while my little guy was, you know, being babysat here by a family friend. Mm -hmm. And I got my, my two certifications by the end of the summer. Um, And I really lucked out because I, we live in Maplewood. So I walked into what was at the time core mind and body on um, Maplewood Avenue and just walked in there to introduce myself. Um, It was a brand new Pilates studio at the time and, and let them know that I had just, completed my certification and they took my resume and said, we don't really have any needs right now, but um, you know, we're going to keep you in mind. And I think it was maybe three days later that I got an email from the manager saying, you know, why don't you come and intern with us? You can get some teaching experience and we can give you a little bit of pay and an intern rate. And that's just how it started. And then I was at core for a few years mm-hmm. teaching pretty much full time. Well, full-time for Pilates is different than full-time in a corporate job. Um, <laughs> you can't teach. And this is something that I will say, and I always find it funny, but um, I feel like for a personal trainer or a Pilates or yoga instructor, if you can teach 20 hours a week, like that's, I think, mind-blowing. Whereas I used to really say, yeah. Right? You can because sit behind a desk for 50 mm-hmm. hours, and it doesn't feel like as much work as 15 to 20 hours yeah. a week. It wasn't until I, I heard on a podcast where I, I finally stopped thinking to myself, oh, you're, so I'm like, you do 25, 30, 35 sessions a week and you feel like I'm not working a full week. But when this guy said, he was like, where do you think your clients get their energy from? And I think I've said this on the podcast before. He was like, they're getting it from you. They're literally sapping your energy for a whole hour. And that's why you're exhausted after you do four or five sessions in a row. So yeah, you're right. You can't, doing 20 sessions a week is a good amount. for. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's your energy and it's, um, you know, a lot of those classes I was teaching, I was actually doing the classes with the students. Yeah, it's hard for instructors for that. It's hard. Um, And then there's also, you know, there's the whole aspect that you're really, you're also a therapist to Mm -hmm. these clients because they come to you and this is the one thing that they're doing for themselves, right? It's the one chance in their busy day, whether they're parents or professionals or a mix of the two, it's the one hour that they are giving themselves once a week or two or three times a week and you become their confidant. So yeah. you also, you take that energy on as well. Definitely. Yeah. 
And Tara, you, I think when I first started going to you, um, you were kind of rounding out the health coaching degree. So I'm guessing you'd been there for several years already. Um, but that is so true. Like, you know, I, I don't think I had had Leo yet, or maybe I had, yeah, I don't think I had had Leo yet. No, um, we, we worked together when you had had Nate, and then I think you were pregnant with Leo. Yes. Because I remember little Leo coming to my baby and me classes. <gasps> That's right. Oh, That's my God. I will never forget that little face. He's got the same face. Yes, he does. Same face. Um, but it's funny because after, you know, I think after you have your first child as a woman, it can be really disconcerting, you know, um, going from pregnancy to postpartum. I just felt so out of touch with my body. Um, you know, it just was the strangest experience. I was completely, you know, you're completely sleep deprived for months at a time. And going to you, I had never done Pilates before. I had done all sorts of like stuff in the city um, that was intense, kind of intense yoga, like Bikram. And we all know how Bikram turned out. Uh, <laughs> um, but it just, you know, the thing about Pilates, but particularly you and your style is you're so, you know, and we'll get into this. I think it's why you're so successful and good at what you do is you're an empath and you're so intuitive and you just, you're, you're so gifted at connecting with your clients that, you know, it does feel like a therapist. Like I would walk out of there kind of in tears because for the first, you know, for the first, you know, my husband was working and it's just a different relationship, but I just felt like you were so supportive and understanding. It made me cry. Thank you so much. No, it's it's true. It's, it's, it's pretty wonderful to be given that opportunity to connect with people. And when someone comes to you and they're vulnerable and they're like, when you are postpartum and you're struggling, like it's just, you, it just makes you want to just, I don't know, like wrap your arms around that person and give them the support that they need. I I don't know. It's, it is really a blessing to be able to work with, with people in that capacity. Yeah. Well, you do it well, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. So tell me a little bit about, um, oh, sorry, Paolo. No, I was just saying, just before we move on from the beginning, you know, when you said you had those fears before you made the transition, did any of those fears get realized or was it just you playing tricks on yourself? Because I often find that happens. You, you fear all these things that will happen if you try and make a big decision, but actually it all works out fine. Well, um, I think there were little blips along the road as I've um, continued in, on this wellness path. Um, and there are certain detours that I've taken that I've had to learn from and just bring myself back to, I think, what my true calling is. Um, but I think Brett and I have talked about this in many parking lots, places that we've run run into each other over the last few years. Um, I don't really think that anything is a mistake. I think that all of these little missteps shape the person that you are. And I really try to find the, the lesson in those missteps now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there have been blips. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade where, where I am now. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't go back. I'm happy that I took the risk and I'm happy for where all of these little missteps have led me. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, So Tara, tell me about how, once you kind of got into the groove with Pilates and then you started into the health coaching. So I was, well, I cut you off. I'm sorry. 
I just was wondering what kind of led to that transition. So I remember, you know, realizing, oh my goodness, like I can't work more than 20 hours teaching Pilates because it's, it's physically exhausting and mentally exhausting. And I really just wanted, I wanted something else to complement what I was offering my clients. And I had always been interested in health and wellness just from my own perspective. I grew up, I was an athlete. I danced a little bit, um, you know, did the crazy fad diets for a number of years and then really just was interested more in just eating to have, you know, health and, and energy and balance. And so um, I was looking at going back to school and trying to figure out what my different options were with probably at that point, Ben was maybe two or three. And um, the Institute for Integrated Nutrition popped up and I started looking into it. And I thought, well, this is an online opportunity for me to earn a certification that will allow me to diversify what I am doing and give me um, another skill set that I can use to service my clients. And so I went through this online program and it's the same program you went through, isn't it, Brett? Yeah, I did it. I remember, I vividly remember you doing it and being like, oh, I wish, wish I could do that. Mm -hmm. And just feeling like really, you know, how those things, um, it's like your intuition, right? You hear somebody talking about about it and like your stomach kind of does a flip flop and you get butterflies because maybe that's something that's calling to you. And I remember feeling that and it took me many years, um, you know, being pregnant, being pregnant, getting pregnant, being postpartum took up, you know, several years there. And then, uh, but you were, yeah, you were definitely like my original inspiration for it for sure. But I, rem- I remember you talking about it all the time, you know, yeah. saying you weren't quite sure what it is you wanted to do, but you knew it was in the wellness space and you knew you wanted to take nutrition and wellness, which you loved, physical and spiritual, and sort of combine it with, you know, um, you know, parenting advice and all of these things you're amazing at. So and oh, here, thank you are. You. here you are. Um, but so the certification, the great thing about this particular program is that it sets you up to have your own business. From setting up your own LLC to setting up your website and um, everything in between. So it was a really great program in that respect. Um, and it allowed me to, to have the flexibility to study and take my exams when I needed to, um, as opposed to when it was, you know, on their schedule. It was according to my schedule. And after I completed the program, I was really lucky because I had this client base at my Pilates studio where I could start, you know, dabbling and, and, and developing my experience as a health coach. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that at, at core as well for a couple of years. Um, and my business name, my health coaching name is, is highway to well. So I was doing both, still doing, still doing both. Um, but then core closed. Core closed about seven years ago. And I didn't know what I was going to do at that point. I thought, okay, do I just segue completely into the holistic health coaching and kind of leave Pilates for now? But um, here's one of those other, you know, things that happen in the universe. Like the universe is giving you little pings and you're thinking, okay, well, what, do, what am I supposed to do with all of this? Um, core closed. But at the time, it was really being managed by two women um, who are now my uh, business partners at the Align Wellness Studio, Mindy and Gwen. 
And Gwen was handling all of the finances and Mindy was doing all of the programming and arranging of continuing education courses. And I was just kind of helping them a little bit with marketing. And when CORE closed its doors, we had all of these clients that were coming and saying, well, what are you, what are you guys going to do now? Yep. You're going to have a studio, right? Yeah. Gwen at the time was thinking of, I think, pursuing performing. She's, you know, a singer and a dancer. Um, Mindy, also a singer and dancer, but was thinking about maybe doing Pilates in her basement. And I was going to do holistic health coaching, like I said. And, and we had all of these people reach out and said, well, you guys should do this. And it planted a seed. And um, the next thing I know, Mindy was having coffee with a friend of hers who was a realtor who said, before you go and put that reformer down in your basement, come with me and take a look at the space that is soon going to be available. And Mindy went and looked. and It was this huge space, beautiful space. And then Mindy reached out to me and to Gwen and said, well, what if we were to try this? You know, what if we decided to have a studio and then maybe you could do your health coaching there? And then maybe we brought in an acupuncturist and we did this and we did that. And um, everything literally fell into our laps. I mean, we worked very hard for it. We worked around the clock for it, but everything fell into, and it sounds corny, but alignment. And that's how we got the name Align Wellness Studio. I love it. In seven so years. What- what was the the reason core closed? Um, well, the the owner was just going through some difficult times, and she wasn't really able to be at the studio, and just kind of getting mismanaged. So that's really all okay. that. that yeah. No, because the reason I'm asking is just because oftentimes when people fail at something <clears throat> or something doesn't work out, fails the wrong word because I don't believe in failure, but when things don't work out, often it's easy just to walk away from what you were doing and go to your comfort zone. Whereas you guys were like, all right, let's take this opportunity and try it to do even better this time. Like what gave you guys the the belief that you could make something that was already good, even better, and then succeed at it? Well, I think the experience that Mindy and Gwen had from sort of running core at the time really allowed them that eye into what was working and what, mm-hmm. what wasn't working, where money was being spent um, and, and should not have been spent and yeah. where we should really be directing our energies and our finances. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both really great at that. That is not my forte. Um, I'm more of like a big idea person, but yep. you know, the execution isn't necessarily the best. Um, but we knew from the clients that were reaching out to us and emailing us and calling us individually and saying how sorry they were to hear about the studio, asking what we were going to do and letting us know how much they needed our services and relied and looked forward to working with us. It, it just felt like it was a calling. It felt like we had a responsibility to pick up and to, to carry on and to do it better and to do it, to do it for them. Um, as much as for our own, you know, our own satisfaction and our own yeah. well-being. And you know what's interesting about that, Tara? I think that um, uh, there's so much there that is so, like, incredible. But, you know, they say that to be, in a, to be a successful entrepreneur, it has to be a calling, it has to be a calling. Oh, yeah. You can't be doing it for the money. You can't be doing it you know, because so-and-so wanted you to do it. It has to feel like, you know, you can't breathe if you don't do it. 
I think the fact that you had clients calling you like very upset at the thought of you not doing it, that's, you know, that's a sure sign. And it's funny because, you know, Tara, I know that you and I are on the same page with this, but I do believe in manifestation, but it's not like you just conjured this out of thin air, right? There's tons of hard work behind it. And also paying attention to relationships. It's all about personal relationships. Right. Absolutely. So the fact that you focused on that, I think it's so interesting. Like that's kind of what helps you get to that point. And, and the fact that it was a calling that you said that, you know, yeah. you've hit on, you've hit on so much. Um, yeah. I, I really think that if you are going to have your own business, um, you need to fully anticipate that you are going to live and breathe it for the first couple of years. And it, mm-hmm. it can, you have to love it so much, either the work or the people that you're, you're doing it with. You have to love and be passionate enough that it doesn't feel like work. Because in those beginning months when we were going to the township of Milburn and trying to get our permits and figuring out where we were going to get equipment and hopping in a U-Haul and driving to Long Island or Connecticut to pick up these, this equipment. Just some of the stories when I look back on it, um, it was a labor of love. There were 24 hours a day, like sitting at Mindy's coffee table, drinking wine, trying to figure out how to do anything. Um, and it was like that for a really long time. Um, and it's funny because right now, funny, not in a ha ha way, but, um, with this pandemic, here we go again, here right. we go again, Yep. here we go again, and but pivoting again, pivoting again. Yep. Um, and do, but however, it's, it's forced us to do something that we always wanted to do and never thought, Oh God, I can't wrap my brain around that one right now. Like how to put up virtual um, classes and live stream classes and videos and things like that. But this situation forced us out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And again, clients saying, Oh my gosh, a, are you guys going to make it? Like, what are you going to do? And what are we going to do if we can't have your classes? Yeah. And so we just, we figured out a way to make it happen. And I guess that's how, how businesses grow, right? You get pushed out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Paolo, I'm guessing a lot of this resonates. Yeah. It's like hearing my own story repeated. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It, it, you can't, it's like Mike Tyson says, you, everyone's got a plan to you punch in the face. And as an entrepreneur, you're always getting punched in the face. It's how you get back up and how you reapproach. Because if you keep walking in a straight line, you're going to keep getting punched in the face. If you've got to yeah. learn how to, to maneuver and, and dodge. So... Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. a very good way of, of putting it. Well, it's it. interesting. So you you say you're not great at the execution of the big ideas, but seeing all the things you do, you can't not be good at executing when you have such a, a rap sheet of well, things you have going on. Thank you. I, I think there are certain things that I'm good at executing, but um, I fully believe this, and this is something that I'm sure both of you have heard. Um, they always tell you that if you're going to partner with someone, make sure that you partner with someone whose strengths are different from yours. Yeah. Oh my gosh, do I believe that wholeheartedly. Like the finances, my I see numbers and my eyes start to cross. Um, but like with the book, 
that um, I published with my co-author Beth Nidick, um, that actually that was her idea, the book. Um, and we can talk about that later, but yeah, you know, I'm good with the timelines and I'm, I'm good with staying on, on top of things, but I'm also happy to be the one in the party of three that just said, okay, you guys kind of do what you need to do. And then you let me know what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. I can be a taskmaster, but I don't need to necessarily run the ship. I just, you know, I can do so all down to self-awareness and that's yeah. that's a big skill that the people um yeah. who are in the entrepreneurial field need to to have otherwise you can you know run around in circles trying to do everything and you may not even be good at what you're trying to do it's like you said part of with people that have have strengths that don't align with yours because then you have a great strong team you know exactly exactly you need someone to be able to pick up where you can mm-hmm. yep which is part of the beauty of of you know, having a partner, I think, and, and teaming up with people. Yeah. Um, one of the things I do want to talk about, Tara, is um, sort of the ebbs and flows of your health coaching career thus far. Um, so you started off seeing clients. And then can you talk a little bit about how the business, how Highway to Well kind of bloomed a little bit and, and transitioned after a few years? Sure. So when I started out, um, the Institute for Integrated Nutrition sets you up with kind of a boilerplate program just to get started. Um, and so I, I, I dabbled in that a little bit. And when we opened a line, I sort of hit the reset button on Highway to Well and thought, okay, well, this is a great opportunity to really bring in the, the aligned clients um, into my nutrition practice and sort of try and integrate the two or, or you know, um, combine them a little bit more. So I started a group program called Six Weeks to Sleep. And I thought we'll have some group um, fitness classes and some individual um, nutritional coaching sessions. And I created a meal plan. And this um, was, what year, what year was, was this? Because I had to I, have I, been 2014, like- the spring okay. of 2014. So I feel like these days people are kind of like, right, like, you know, group challenge, meal plans, of course, right. we had it. But like back then, I wouldn't say tons of people were doing this. No, I mean, I don't remember seeing a lot of it. I don't remember seeing a lot of meal plans being, you know, sent around I, um, or combination programs. I, at the time, I kind of thought that it was was novel. I yeah, thought it was. It was. Um, it was and I, what you do still is because you have your own unique um, flavor to it. Well, we all, you know, that's what we have to, yeah. we have to do, right? But um, I, uh, so I created this program and I, you know, had a gluten-free, dairy-free meal plan with particular recipes. And then I think I offered as an upgrade for people to upgrade to a, a meal delivery service where I would prepare the food for them. Yeah. Um, hadn't thought that one through. Paolo, this is a perfect example. I think I offered like $600 for six weeks of meals. Like what, was, meals I, a day. what was I thinking? Three <laughs> meals and a snack and a juice. What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. However, um, it, it wound up launching the meal delivery service that I had for a number of years, Meals to Glow, um, because I really, th- and I don't think there were a lot of meal deli- 
delivery services at that point. Um, but I thought, isn't this great? Like I was thinking about what I would have loved when I was a lawyer, not to have to think about what I had to eat or count calories or anything, just have the food delivered to me in a bag and labeled breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I didn't have to think about it. And so that's what I tried to create for the clients who wound up participating in that aspect of the program, which I would say 50% did because it was priced well. <laughs> and um, they lost a lot of weight. They wound up losing, I think, upwards of maybe 15 pounds. And not everyone had, you know, a tremendous amount of weight to lose. So they said the food was really good and you should really think about offering this as a service, like a regular service. And that's how I sort of backed my way into Meals to Glow, mm-hmm. the, meal, the meal delivery service. And what are some of the big like lessons that you learned from that experience? Because I know that was all consuming and... That just sounds like a nightmare to me. Just the, the organization you need for all of that. All of it. Um, Okay. First of all, I learned that I should not have tried to do it all myself for a number of years. I was cooking, delivering. I mean, in my own car to South Jersey, into Brooklyn, into Manhattan, um, and still trying to get back to pick up my son at aftercare. Just doing that. and And I was doing that Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. And I was teaching Pilates Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I was doing the grocery shopping and trying to change the recipes on Saturdays and the menu on Saturdays. And I was doing it all by myself for a while. Um, now, obviously there was a cap on the number of people that I could take, right? So I never took more than maybe 12 to 15 clients a week, but it also wasn't always even that many people. Um, so It's a huge labor intense job. It is not a job that it's, it's not an easy job to do. And it's certainly not really a a profitable. I was about to ask that. Was it worth, was the work worth? It's really not profitable. So here's the thing. I mean, it's not scalable and people would tell Mm -hmm. me because I would talk to them. How do I scale this? Well, you could get investors. You could get investors. You could get people to do the cooking. You could get people to do the X, the Y, the Z. And then I thought, well, that's kind of the part that's giving me the joy, the X, the Y, and the Z. If you take that out, and then you also take out the possibility of not even really making a profit at it, what's really left? Yeah. So um, I decided I, I did not want to scale. <clears throat> and I just tried to focus on keeping a small number of clients that I would service on a pretty regular basis. And I would also do some nutritional coaching at the same time and then balance it out with the Pilates. So it was kind of like, in some respects, it was great because I was doing something different every day, but also it was a little, it was very anxiety producing, just trying to stay on top of everything. Yeah. You know, jamming my, my, my printer with labels, you know, just like the, the (sighs) methane. Eventually I did bring in two assistants. I hate to say assistants. They were kind of right hands to help me cook, Michelle and Jessica, and they both had great organizational skills. They were better in the kitchen than I, than I ever was. And I developed this trust in them so I could finally pass some of the things off to them and just know that everything would get done. But it still was, it still was a lot. What's the biggest lesson you learned from that experience, would you say? (sighs) There were so many. Yeah. There were so many. I mean, there were so, I think, um, 
I think had I started out with a better idea of what my end game was with that arm of the business, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I would have, I don't know. I, I just think it would have been better. I kind of went into it aimlessly, backed into it. I didn't have an end game. Um, How many of those, the people that subscribed to it were getting um, nutritional counseling as well? Was it part of the same deal? Uh, no, very few. I mean, I offered it as part, but most people just yeah. really wanted the food delivered and didn't right. want to hear from me. Which, well, right, because they want to make it, you, you know, people... They just wanted, you know, and it's... Just, just tell like, me what to do. Just a lot of my clients in New York City, and I loved them. They were awesome. They just said, bring me the food. I don't need the counseling. Just drop the food and go. Yeah. Um, and But they were my best clients. I mean, they would order every week for years yeah. on it. And... And then there were some other clients that really wanted to learn to do it themselves. And look, it's costly. That was the one thing that also never really sat well with me. You had these other meal delivery services that could operate at a volume and really at just very low cost. And I was thinking to myself, well, how is it that they're able to make any kind of a profit when they're really not charging much for this? Whereas I had to charge so much to cover my labor to cover like the people, the contractors that worked with me, you know, my materials. And it never really just, it never felt right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think the thing that I learned, if there was one thing, I really missed working with the clients. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what got me back to going to, to pursuing the counseling again, like all in. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those clients do you work with now or any of them still? Um, people come back like in waves, you know, they'll have a baby and they'll come back or they'll, they will say they've fallen off the wagon. They need to kind of hit a reset button and they come back or they send me clients. Um, I keep in touch and hear from a lot of the clients that I work with. So, you know, not necessarily. And I'm also, also one of those people, like if you want to follow up with me and get some advice, not going to charge you for my time, which makes me a really bad business person. <laughs> but that's just... I love that about That's you. just how I No, but yeah. people, people always say that though, but how much would it cost you if you had to advertise to that same person you've already built a relationship with when you could just give them a bit of your time and, you know, save the relationship? And you to pass your name along. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I would yeah. much rather do that. I would, exactly. I would much rather... Um, I'm of the mindset, and I think I've gotten this from my... Well, I've gotten it from a number of people, but Mindy, my business partner, is one of them. I think if you um, you give of yourself to be of service to other people, the money will come. It comes. It does. Yeah. It will come. Yeah. I might not be a millionaire, but it, it will come, and I will be able to do what I love to do. Yeah. So that's, tr- that's, ha- that's my approach for the most part. Yeah, because it's coming from your heart, you know? Yeah. And just as somebody who's on the other side, I'm, you know, I would be on the client side. I've been on the client side for you and it's just shines through. Like, you know, I remember when core closed and it was just this feeling of like, it wasn't like, oh gosh, I wonder what's going to happen to them. It was like, well, okay. Like, what are they doing next? Because it's not even an option that like, they won't be doing this. Like it's not even an option. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, it's so interesting how, like, some of these things, you know, you know, too, you now know acutely what feels right and what doesn't. Yes. You know, and I'm, I imagine that informs all of your choices these days, would you say? 
It absolutely does. And I think some of it comes with age and some of it comes with just experience. And I think something that I've learned later in life as um, an entrepreneur that I'm not for everyone. None of us are for everyone. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there that um, that do what I do, right? But it's a matter of people that respond to the way that I work. They mm-hmm. resonate with my energy. And I just, I have to, I stick with my gut now. I try not to second guess too much um, and really try not to listen to the outside noise as much as I did in my earlier years and just have faith that it's, it's, it's going to work out or I will pivot again Yeah, mm-hmm. and I will learn from my, my mistakes. So I you guys that. have been, you said you've been there seven years now? With the a line has been open for seven years. Yeah. Highway to Well has been open for like eight. Yeah, I mean, that is a, a long time. I mean, you look yeah. at, especially in Melbourne, where we are, you look at the amount of empty stores there are in the town. It's and a lot sad, of them isn't it? Over, yeah, but you, you, don't, you don't stay open that long without having um, genuine care for your customers because they, especially in, in, in Melbourne, because they're, they're a ruthless customer base. Like, if they don't like you, they do not come back. They are tough cookies. Yeah. Because yeah. there's yeah. other options, too. Well, and, more, and more power to them for that, yeah. They're not going to settle for just the same old, like you have 50%. to show, you know, yeah. 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 Um, and I look, it's the same with you, Paolo. I'm sure, you know, you're, you're a gym owner and we have, we are surrounded by so many competitors, mm-hmm. right? And it's a little bit alarming and you think, oh my gosh, here's another one. Here's another cycle studio. Here's another Pilates studio, another yoga studio. Like how do we continue to protect our businesses and grow our businesses in this ever evolving and crowded wellness space but i think you you've hit the nail on the head you just have to kind of they're showing up for you as much as they're showing up for your boutique gym and what you have to offer they show up for you that's the thing i mean we had orange theory and f45 open up literally behind us within (laughs) this that's just just about a year of us opening It, it never worried me because i knew that we didn't have the same customer base and like even you know people might say that the two of us are competing businesses, but I have clients that go to your space, you know, that we, we, we can't all serve everybody at the same time. So I think that's a mistake a lot of business owners make. And we made the mistake in the beginning of trying to serve everybody with everything. Yeah. But if, if you're not good at it, then they're going to go somewhere else. So just be good at what you do. Exactly. And I think that Brett, you asked me earlier about like one of the things that I've learned and Pella, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, I do think that there's room for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I think at the beginning, you know, as a health coach, I've done it. And as a co-owner of a line, I think we had done it at one point, just trying to be everything to everyone and just keep the clients there and people will leave. They'll go to, you know, soul cycle or they'll go somewhere else, but they still come back yeah. and some don't. And that's okay because it's not, um, but yeah, your people find you and your people stick with you. And I think that there are really just more opportunities for businesses like ours to even collaborate, you know, if Definitely, we think yeah. about it the right way and benefit all well, of that's, us. Well, that's, I mean, I don't know if you found the same, but when, when we opened, we were, we were working at another place in Melbourne that I won't talk about for legal reasons, but um, <laughs> we, you know, we had this great idea, you know, let's, we're going to partner with all the businesses in town. And, you know, we, we didn't really even, 
we got so disheartened we didn't even make it, you know, geographically all the way down to where you are. Because I was just finding the response was so lackluster. Everybody's out for themselves, didn't really, don't really care for offering discounts to their customers. What's in it for me? Right. You know, and unfortunately that's, and I think that's going to be even worse now because right. it's such, People are such a trying time. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think that those of us that kind of extend the hand to other business owners and um, yeah, here's an example. Like we had I, um, a facility in South Orange and another um, gym in, in Maplewood. And, you know, we're friends with the owners and they reached out to us and said, how did you guys get your virtual, you know, your videos up so quickly? And, for, and how did you know what you were doing? And first, my reaction was, well, thank you, because we have absolutely no idea what we're doing. Like, I'm Googling yeah. instructions and trying to get everything up. But then we walked them through it, you know, and tried to help them. And yeah. they tried to help us file for the, the PPP loans and yeah. grants. And I think that that's – I'm hopeful that if something positive comes out of this entire pandemic with small businesses, that um, – that we realize that we are all a community and we don't have to compete um, at the yeah. jugular, that we can really do things to cross promote and benefit each other and support each other. Yeah. I know that's going to be our approach. I yeah, think definitely. it's going to happen. This is, ugly. this is ugly. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, what's left after all of this sifts out, the landscape is going to look very different. Um, you know, I just think that it may become a necessity collaborating as opposed to... Well, yeah, I, th I think people are going to really think about where their dollar goes to and what's going to be left are businesses like ours that people feel like they're cared about. And That's you know, it. Know, That's the personal... You know, it's the personal... Yeah. Once again, here we go. Like, it's the personal connection, right? Like, yeah. that's that's what it is. It's not the... It's not the fancy building. It, it's, you know, it's actually not the marketing. It's the personal no. connections. It really mm -hmm. is. You're right. And it's, yeah, it's just a matter of, okay, without the flashy marketing, how do you get them in the door? That's it. Right. Because now there's, there's that, yeah. there's the new client piece. Yes. Right. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do want to talk, I want to make sure that we talk about kind of where this has led, which is is, you know, sort of the current and also the book that you published, Tara. What an accomplishment. Thank that you. is huge. Um, I'd love to hear how you met Beth and, um, you know, sort of how this book came into being. Um, because it is, I have it right here. We're not on video, obviously. But um, the book. Yeah, it is awesome. Thank you so much. So Beth is a fellow um, health coach and we met at one of those integrated nutrition, you know, like meet your friends online that you've, you know, we had those groups on Facebook. So it was like a, one of those get togethers, let's get together and meet in the city. And um, Beth and I were the only ones that were sitting at the bar actually wanting to order a drink. Everyone else <laughs> wanted to talk about, you know, like Lyme disease cures that I had never heard of and just some very, um, eccentric cures. Yeah. Beth and I really just wanted to get out and have a drink. We both had kids and we were at the bar and just kind of talking to the bartender and we had a nice afternoon together. A couple of weeks later, she emailed me and said, can I come to your, your office at a line? And so she came to the office and said, I really enjoyed meeting you. And I think that we should partner together. And so my immediate reaction was, well, how do two health coaches partner together without really 
detracting from each other's business. And she said, well, I really think we should do, we should write a book. We should write a cocktail book. And at that point in time, everything that I had seen were these little eBooks, right? That you would upload. We would upload them to both of our websites and we would charge $10. I was like, okay, yeah, we could do that. No, no, I think we should write a real book. Wow. And we sat there and talked for 45 minutes. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? Um, and we figured it out. We had absolutely no idea what we were doing. The one thing that we knew, and we talked about it over and over and over and kept asking some people, we really felt strongly that it was a good idea, that there was nothing else out there and that it was something that people would be interested in. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I knew that is because I was doing the health coaching, she was doing the health coaching, and all of our clients who were losing weight were asking us, does this mean... I can never have a drink again. Is there mm -hmm. something that I can drink and not gain weight? Yeah. And so I would say, well, you could do this, but I just don't, I don't want just a vodka. Do I, do I, do I just have vodka soda for the rest of my life? Is that what this is going to be like? And so I knew that there were, there was a market out there. I knew that there were, you know, women like myself who wanted to have a glass of wine or wanted to just have a cocktail and they wanted some options. So we felt really good about the idea. We didn't know where to start. So um, I had a friend that had published a book and I dropped her an email and she said, why don't you talk to my agent and he can give you some tips. So we talked to the agent and then at the end of the call, after giving him our idea, he said it was a good idea. Silly me. I thought we had an agent. Well, that's not how that works. <laughs> so he said, let me give you some proposals. You need to come up with a book proposal. Um, and here are a few samples that I've gotten recently. So he sent them to us, and Beth and I started working on them. And then I went on Soma Lounge on Facebook, our little community, um, online community. Quite the lively community. Anyone was an editor or a publisher or anyone that I could like, pick their brain. And I had a couple of people reach out, people that I'm still in contact with. And they um, answered our questions and gave us direction and information and then I hired one of them to edit the proposal once we did it, once we got it all together. And then we started shopping it around to agents. And we just Google searched agents. We got resourceful and started, you know, we knew it was kind of in the health and wellness space, but it was also really more in the cookbook space. So we would look for editors who handled those types of books and reach out to them and offer the proposal we actually really were met with great feedback from the agency side. Ultimately, we wound up working with the first guy we ever spoke with. He was the last oh. one to make it's an offer, but he's the he's the one we wound up working with. Um, and uh, then it was a matter of shopping it around to publishers. Mm -hmm. So Beth would we would have like a little wheelie bag of mason jars of cocktails and we would take them to different publishing houses in New York city. And we would, no way. In the afternoon, and we would get these various publishers tanked. That <laughs> and is so funny. It was oh a lot God. of fun. I love that. It was a lot of fun. Oh. We'd have like three or four editors and we would talk about the books and talk about the drinks and then they would sample them. And we'd, you know, we'd slide the mason jars down the board tables and let them try <laughs> some others. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and, we were really fortunate. We got, um, we got a book deal. And the hardest part was that our publisher wanted us to have it done by June, okay. which meant with the deadlines, we basically had to have the book written in six weeks. 
from the time that we signed the contract. And our agent said, yeah, no problem. The, the book's already almost done. Well, we hadn't started writing the book. We had yeah, not started. Was the proposal that comprehensive? Because I know some people, their proposal is, is almost the book. Yeah, the book, yeah. The proposal was very comprehensive, but there was a lot that needed to be done. It really needed to be built Well, I out. imagine a lot of uh, taste testing too, right? A ton of taste testing. <laughs> a lot of drinking had to be done. So well, listen, if you, do, if you do book two, I will volunteer to, okay. to try I, them out for I'm, you. I'm going to get your number for sure. <laughs> book two. Um, but yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot of taste testing and there was a lot of like last minute, all of a sudden they said, okay, well, we, we think you should really have more pitcher drinks. Can you convert all of these recipes to pitcher drinks? And Brett, you know, you're a cook. You can double, you can double a recipe and have it be okay. But when you go to triple quadruple, Uh, it takes tweaking. Uh, There's a lot of just the word chemistry. There's chemistry. Yeah. So one of the funny stories that I always love to share, and Brett, you might remember this. Um, I was I was converting the the Meyer lemonade cocktail to a pitcher drink, and it was a summer, like a May afternoon, and it was hot out. And my husband's like, "What the hell are you going to do with that huge pitcher of vodka and everything?" And I thought, you know what? I'm going to post on Facebook that I'm having an adult lemonade stand. And see if anyone comes. And I, we didn't have a ton of people, but I, we had like six cars, friends, people that I knew that like came over, had a drink or two in the front yard, tried it, gave us some feedback on it. I set Ben up, you know, on the other side of the driveway with his Tang lemonade stand and he served his little friends as they came by. But it was a lot of that. It was a lot of like trial and error, a lot of just not knowing what to do, um, but just asking questions and calling upon other people for help. And people were willing to do it. People mm-hmm. were willing to give us direction and help us out. How long did it take you from start to finish? Oh, gosh. So I want to say the proposal, I think that we started coming up with the idea and, and trying to get an agent between maybe April, and May, and then the proposal was done in May, and we were just shopping it around through the summer. Had a contract with an agent in June, contract with the publisher by July, and then the book came out in December. So That's maybe fast. a little bit over a year. It happened very quickly. Really fast. Very fast. Wow. Very fast. Um, it's scary how fast it happened. And what's your favorite cocktail from the book? Meyer lemonade, hands down. Yeah. Although I've become a bourbon drinker since we wrote this book. I feel like bourbon, wait, is, okay, so I get so confused about this. Is bourbon the same? Is whiskey, whiskey? but not all whiskey is bourbon. Isn't scotch whiskey also, but scotch is like this. Scotland. It's just where it's made, basically. Yeah, where it's, where it's made. made. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So isn't whiskey slash bourbon having a moment? I think it is, right? I think it is. It seems to be yeah, having a moment stuff. with women, which I kind of exactly. love. I kind of um, love, like they've got all these sexy, smoky cocktails with like ginger, lemon, honey syrup, and yeah, yeah. A lot of women are drinking the um, old fashioned now. Yes, yeah. We have a cold fashioned in the book. Okay. So it's a chilled. Yeah, which is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love too in the book, Tara, how how you guys kind of talk about how to actually make simple syrups rather than saying like, oh, just go buy, you know, just go buy this. 
Um, yeah, I think that's kind of like a where a lot of the magic happens is with the syrups. Yeah. How did you guys like figure that out? Um, again, a lot of trial and error. Beth had been a bartender. And so she had a couple of bases that she would work with when she was trying to make healthier options. Um, but then we just started playing with flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. Um, the honey was like a little strong flavor for certain flavor profiles. So we would use maybe a little bit of maple syrup or we would use coconut sugar, something that was a little less refined and just see how that would turn out. Again, a lot of, a lot of trial and error, but, um, if you get like some fresh herbs and some fruit and you simmer it in some hot water and some, with a little bit of honey, you'd be shocked (laughs) how good that syrup will taste with a lot of different liquors. Vodka is a tough one. Vodka's got that strong I don't know. I think it has a strong flavor. Yeah, it does. Um, but tequila, I feel like goes with so much. Yes. So um, tequila is also having a huge moment. Yeah. A moment that's been yeah. going on for years now, it seems like. But I think what, why they're popular is because there's real, everyone's learned that it's, there's very little sugar. Yeah. yeah. And, and like the, I mean, Tara, I'm sure you see this too. Like it, this whole, um, you know, the skinny martini with like basically like five limes and a lemon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's very popular. That's I've very never agave is popular. Agave. Yeah. Agave's agave's still really processed. Yeah, like I feel a little I'm always surprised because uh, yeah, exactly. Like I don't know that I'm a hundred percent on board with agave. I mean you have to find the right kind, no? Yeah, I think with agave, I think it, so it was part of the Skinny Girl Margarita brand, right? The Skinny yeah. Girl brand. And I think it, it um, had a good rap because for a while they thought that it was safe for diabetics to have. Um, it didn't spike your, your blood sugar. I think they've since learned that that's not accurate. Um, but it's, then it, it turns out that it really is as processed as high fructose corn syrup. So, you know... <laughs> Your your nutrition is always changing. You're always learning that what you once thought was great is is yeah. not really as good for you as you thought. So I think agave is still look very popular on the market in a lot of quote unquote clean products. But yeah, you know how clean it is. Yeah. Um, do you have any other plans to write any more books? Is there going to be a follow up to Clean Cocktails? We are working on a new one, um, and it's going to have more clean cocktails, but it's going to be more on um, pairing with clean food, and the emphasis will be on entertaining. So oh, I love it. Love formal it. entertainment um, and the idea of community and creating meals that um, really can appeal to a broad to, to everyone that's at your table. Yeah. So in case you have someone who's allergic to, you know, gluten and dairy and that you've got the nut allergies and you have all of these different people are plant-based. So it's a way of trying to create, um, formal meal plans that, and, and, um, yeah, holiday recipes essentially Mm -hmm. that so that you can offer, you'll have something for everyone that's at your table. I love that. I mean, yeah, I almost feel like that's the way this book is, just with drinks. Thank you. That's yeah. like a progression. That was that was the hope. That's the hope. So we're working on that. We're gonna keep rolling that out. That's um, so exciting. Yeah. Thank you. I love so, hearing it. So, with all the things you do, 
What would you say is the one that really fires you up the most? I love the health coaching. I love the health coaching and I kind of lump my, the cocktails in there because I'm always coaching my clients. Yeah. I get a lot of big drinkers, I, you know, and I don't, <laughs> it's not a judgment call at all, but I, I get, I have a lot of women that say, look, I, I want to work with someone who is not going to try and change me from someone who enjoys a cocktail to never having a drink ever or, um, you know, just, I, I, I think they want someone who's relatable and I enjoy yeah. my drinks. And so therefore that's who gravitates to me. Yeah. Um, but I really love working with the coaching. Nothing gives me more satisfaction than hearing from clients that the way that I am advising them or coaching them to eat, the things that I'm having them incorporate into their diet are making a difference in their energy, that they're finally able to lose weight when they thought that they were in menopause and could no longer lose weight. Uh Um, That they've, they feel like that they've found freedom in their diet and that they don't know how they went all of these years yo-yo dieting and not knowing that a couple of simple components were missing. Um, And how I, in, at helping them achieve their weight loss goals. I would get text messages in the morning and they literally light me up. My husband's like, who's texting you at six o'clock in the morning? Yeah. So-and-so just weighed in and they're down yeah. three and a half pounds. Um, or even if they're up, it's just like, it's just, I love developing that relationship mm-hmm. with these clients. They become, they become my friends too. So oh, yeah. that's my, and I think that, I mean, I think you really, um, you have such a thoughtful, well, you know, you have such a thoughtful approach to this and you have education um, and also experience. You know, there are, there's a lot of folks doing this now and I think it's great. You know, obesity is a huge problem in our country. Um, but I also think it's very important to find someone who has the education and the experience to back it up. Because, you know, what you do that I think is so beautiful is that you have sort of the science, right? You have the the facts, but you balance it with holistic coaching, which means that you know what you're talking about when it comes to nutrition, but you also going to take a look at the whole body every, you know, at, at somebody's life. Um, and you preach balance instead yeah. of sort of an extreme, you know, set of standards. Yeah. Um, and I think Thank that's important. You. That's, that is really, yeah, that is really my, my goal. And it is, it's hard. It's interesting. So I, I did start my master's in nutrition and food science. Um, and I had to take a little detour when my mom got sick and put that on hold going back to that. But, um, you know, it's interesting in the science world, everyone thinks that health coaches are kooks, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. And then everyone in the health coaching world thinks that nutritionists and scientists are crooks and it's all like big pharma and, you know, um, everything's misleading. So uh, I think that there's something to really be said for marrying the two. So I do try and, um, you know, learn as much as I can and I'm going to continue, you know, to finish my master's and get that science piece so that I really do understand the evidence behind a lot of these dietary theories that I am encouraging my clients to follow. But, you know, unless something fits into an individual's lifestyle, it's not sustainable. Yeah, that's right. And if exactly. it's not sustainable, 
what's the point? You know, I don't want you to continue coming back to me needing another yo-yo diet. I want, I want to give you the tools to kind of heal yourself physically and emotionally. And then I want you to go out and be able to live your life and then send me a client, (laughs) someone else that could benefit from that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So what's been, what's been your favorite part of your career with all these, you know, colorful pieces to it and all these lessons, what's been your favorite part? I think the best part about it is that it's always evolving, Mm. that there's always a different, there's always a different project and I'm not really limited in what I do. The only thing that limits me is my own, you know, lack of confidence, right? That I'm not going to be able to do this or it's going to be too much money or there's someone out there that's doing it better than I am. I think the fact that the world, you know, the sky's the limit and I can really pivot in any way I want. That's kind of the beauty of doing what I do Yeah, and being an entrepreneur and not being lockstep according to someone else's little plan. What would you say to somebody right now? Um, you know, especially in this climate. So if somebody said, you know, we're coming off of about 10 years where entrepreneurial, entrepreneurialism um, became very popular, it became very glamorous, at least the way it looked from the outside. Um, and now I really do think we're going to be going into a very different time. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody coming to you right now and, and wanting to start a business? I would say have a plan. Um, sock some money away. If you have a job, like save up, whether it's six months, you know, 12 months of expenses and stash it, like start stashing it aside so that you have some funds to live off of while you are trying to build whatever business it is you're pursuing. Um, I also would say try and, I think I would try and create a side hustle first. Mm -hmm. I would really be reluctant, I think, right now to just jump ship from any corporate job. Um, But I think, if you think about it, I mean, a lot of businesses are also probably going to be seeing some some downsizing too. So it might also be beneficial to have that side hustle. Yeah. So um, I think I would say be cautious, start planning for it, research, see what else is out there that um, is like what you want to do. Um, make sure you're passionate about it because like Mm -hmm. we talked about at the beginning of the hour, you are not going to be making money doing this um, for a long time. Excuse me. Um, And you need to love it enough to be willing to work 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. But pursue Um, it, pursue it. You know, if that is something that you've always wanted to do, you're probably always going to want to do it. So, um, research it and just start planning, start manifesting. Yeah. I mean, especially listening to your stories that, you know, no two journeys are the same. And when you started learning Pilates and getting certified in that, if you could fast forward and think to 2020, all the things you've done in between, like you, you probably wouldn't have thought you were going to do it all right. You were just going to get your Pilates certification. Right. Right. So just, yeah. People just need to keep that in mind that, you know, what's going on now is not necessarily what's going to go on in 15, 20 years. It, it won't. And I think find that, your passion. I think that um, 
I think that because there are so many entrepreneurs now, like in the last 10 years, I feel like we're giving ourselves more permission to be, um, to evolve. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we've given ourselves permission to evolve as professionals and as, as humans. Um, I think that we are starting to claim our right to be happy. Yes, we have to put food on the table. We have expenses. We need to provide for our children. But I think we also understand that to a great degree, just by providing for them financially and not providing them, you know, by example, to choose joy, yeah. to do something that fills you up emotionally <laughs> and spiritually every day. Um, I think that there's a lot to be said for that too. I think we're finally, I don't know, giving ourselves permission to say, okay, well, maybe this job as a lawyer is not where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And that's, and that's good. Yeah. Kids that are graduating from college need to, I think they need to hear that. You don't have to know what you're going to do the rest of your life. I think. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. I agree with that so much. Um, certainly wasn't the message when I graduated from college. No, um, no. You know, and I know it wasn't for you either. <laughs> yeah. I would say my father is doing this to me, but. I yeah. My, my parents still have no idea like what. <laughs> It just, they're very confused about <laughs> other than motherhood. Right. Um, so Tara, I could talk to you. We could talk to you. Yeah, I'd love day. to do this again. But um, I, I think I we're going to have to wrap it up today. Um, before you go, I would, I'm wondering if you can tell. So um, every week when we do this podcast, um, Paolo and I switch off. One of us tells something good. Um, so we would love it today if you could share something good with us. Okay. Well, I hope there are other small business owners that are out there listening to you um, because we're all in this pandemic panic of how are we going to keep our doors open. And today, after six weeks, Align finally got our PPP loan. Oh, great. I was <laughs> so going to ask you about that. That's awesome. Um, security right now. And that was like, it gave us life this morning. Yeah. There's only so much you can do with making virtual videos, you know, and having virtual private sessions. Yeah, exactly. So it's, the I just have faith that the, the government's going to come through for more of us and keep the faith. Yeah. No, yeah, we're still waiting. So it's good to hear that you got yours. Fingers crossed for you. Yeah. It'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, so Tara, where can we find you? So you can find me at highwaytowell.net. Okay. You can find me at align-wellness-studio.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook. And I love hearing from people who listen in. So um, if you heard us talk today and you have questions about small business ownership or anything, please feel free to reach out. I love hearing from everyone. And we will put this in the show notes to make sure everybody gets it. Um, but I just want to acknowledge like the wonderful work you're doing and um, the passion you bring to wellness um, and the support really that you have shown to me, countless other people. Um, I think, you know, speaking, especially as a woman, um, things like knowing your body and being supported by other women and also being getting this message that, you know, I think there is a real correlation to postpartum and sort of the pre-menopause menopause phase. That's a whole other podcast discussion. Yeah. And it's this feeling of sort of powerlessness 
And I feel like you are helping empower women to understand that like life isn't over when we go through these transitions. Yeah. It's just another phase and it's going to require some, some tweaks, but you give that support. And I just want to acknowledge you for doing that during these crucial periods of life. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's, that's that's why we do it. That's why we do it. All right, Tara. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye.